I'm really glad that you're joining us today. For those of you who are here in the house, thank you guys for being here. Um, I know that uh, uh, we've got a special day for you. And I want to thank those who are joining online this morning. Why don't we give it up for the ones that are joining live online this morning. Thank you, guys. Really glad that you're here. We've got a lot happening in the life of our church. We're not letting COVID slow us down too much anyway, anymore. And uh, so I'm really excited about what God has uh, in store for us uh, in the days uh, to come. I, I don't know about you, but one of the things that has often been discouraging, maybe more than normal during COVID-19, has been how so often we have heard the word no as an answer to everything that we want to do in life. Are you guys with me on that? Like sick and tired of hearing no, right? Can I take my mask off when I go in here? Nope. Can I go up to the Clemson game this weekend? Nope. That was for my son, Sean. Hopefully I get props from him. I doubt it. He's 13 too. So uh, can I stop having Zoom meetings? Nope. That's the one I think most of us kind of can center around. Zoom is our greatest friend and our greatest enemy right now. And I got to be honest with you, like it is very hard for us to continue day after day, week after week, month after month to continue to hear no. And I believe that in this age and in this day where it seems like the answer to every question is a resounding no, I believe that it's the church's role to stand up and be the church that answers yes. And to be the organization that answers yes. Today we embark on a four-week journey of this message series that's entitled The Answer is yes. And I know what some of you are thinking, some of you who are a little cavalier, some of you are like, hey, let's go, let's fight, let's do this thing. Like, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, oh man, it's gonna be great. Like, Todd's gonna send us on some kind of crusade about, like, you know, uh, uh, constitutional rights in the church or, you know, civil disobedience. No, that's not what I'm gonna do. That'll be the last time you hear no today. <laughs> because what I'm talking about saying yes to is serving our community, is being the church despite the circumstances that we find around us, is deciding that we are going to, in a smart way, navigate the world that we live in to be able to answer when God brings us a service opportunity, a ministry opportunity, or an opportunity to share his message that we answer with yes. And the church that answers with yes to its mission is made up of individuals who answer yes when they're presented with the opportunity to serve or to minister or to share. And if I'm really honest with you, I think that the church for far too long has been the beacon of no. I want you to think about it for a moment because for generations, people, the world around us has known what we are against, what we don't believe in, what we find offensive, and that's good, and we have to make a stand sometimes, but I got to be honest with you, church, it is time for the world to know what we stand for because we have the greatest answer to the greatest problem that humanity ha has 
And that's the answer for eternity. We have the greatest answer to the greatest problem that we as people have. And the world needs to hear from us when we have the opportunity to serve them. They need to hear us more than any other organization, more than any other people. They need to hear us say a resounding yes, yes to service, yes to ministry, and yes to sharing. The church for far too long has stood for what it believes to be right, and that's a good thing, and we should, but in our effort to be right, we have in many ways rendered ourselves ineffective for the gospel, and the world, as a result, has tuned us out. It's time for us to answer yes when given the opportunity to serve as a church. And during this series, you're going to hear from myself and Justin. You're going to hear from other people. And we're also going to practice this. In fact, uh, two weeks from today, I can't believe two weeks from today is already the end of September, but it's September 27th, two weeks from today. And we are having Serve Day, where we will gather here together uh, first thing, and, and we'll, we'll gather together in one service, and then we're going to go serve the world. And I want to encourage you, those of you who are live online right now and those of you who are here in the room, to go online and to register for Serve Day that's coming up September 27th as we are going to put into practice what Justin and I are talking about these next two weeks. We're going to put into practice what we're going to look at in God's Word to find the solution to the problem of the world around us where all we hear is no. See, I believe that God has called us to be proactive to be forward-thinking, to be the initiator in saying yes, to be the type of people that are aggressive in terms of our mission. How many of you were excited that football got started this past, like, week or so? Right, come on, be honest with you. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's okay. Like, it is exciting to finally have some normalcy, right? Even if there's nobody in the stands, all right? It's a little weird, but that's okay. At least it's begun, right? Uh, Sean and I, we, we love football, but Sean and I love a different kind of football too. We love international football. We love soccer. And we have a team, our team is Liverpool uh, from Northwest England. And uh, I've been a Liverpool fan since 2010. I got to go to a game over there, man. I just loved it. And um, it has been very, very hard to be a Liverpool fan, just like it's hard to be a Georgia fan, which I am, and an Atlanta Falcons fan, which I am, because they've like lost. Oh man, I'm getting all kinds of signs from you guys today. That's bad. Anyway, all right. So, uh, <laughs> um, so, but being a Liverpool fan these last 10 years has been really, really tough. But last year, they were the champions, um, not only of Europe, but they were the champions of England. They won the English Premier League. And this past week, and they were getting ready to, to play their first game for this year. And, and their manager, their coach, Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp, was asked the question that every manager is asked, every coach is asked, who won the championship last year. He was asked the question, are you ready to defend the title. And, and Jürgen is a great, like, German coach. He's one of the greatest coaches. And for a minute, I thought maybe he didn't quite understand the question, and he was trying in his, his best English to answer the question. And then I realized he understood it clearly. He was trying to make a point because his answer was, we are not ready to defend the title. We're ready to attack the title. I love that answer. That answer says so much about his philosophy, about his mentality. And about his attitude in church, I want to tell you, it is time for us to stand up and attack our mission. 
It's time for us to stand up and to attack what God has called us to do individually and corporately as a church. The world needs to see the church moving forward. The world needs to hear us answer yes when we possibly can. Today, we're going to be taking a look at two different characters in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Jonah chapter 1. You can also turn to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to be in both of those today. You're going to hear from two characters, one of which got a call from God and answered no. The other got a call from God and answered yes. And I want want you to look at today the contrast as we take a look. We're going to spend more time on one and a little less time on the other. But I want you to capture the contrast in what happens and what leads up to these two different biblical characters answering yes and no when God calls. Now, I realize that some of you know the Bible pretty well and you understand um, everything about the two different characters, Jonah and Isaiah, that we're going to be looking at right now. I know that you may know a lot, but I want to challenge you maybe just to, to hear from the Spirit of God, to hear from God's Holy Spirit today, because He may have something to say to you very personally today. Because the church that is made up of people that say yes is the church that says yes to serving the world around us. There's notes online. For those of you who are joining us online, you can go to our website to, to get the full version of the notes. We also have version. If you're using version, you can check it out. There's an event there that has all of our notes on it as well. Let's take a look at Jonah and Isaiah as we contrast Jonah's no with Isaiah's yes. Now, Jonah was put on a mission for God. God gave him a very clear mission, and I want to talk about it. Let's take a look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 this morning. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah... Verse 3 says, we're going to camp out in verse 3 for a minute. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Now we're going to pull apart verse 3 in particular, because I want you to see how Jonah's no was not just the kind of no that you, um, like, might have given your parents growing up when they're like, hey, it's time to clean the dishes, it's time to do the dishes, or it's time to go out and mow the the, the yard, or it's time to, you know, like, you know, do your laundry or whatever. It might have been like, oh, man, uh, I don't want to do that. This was Jonah giving God a resounding No. Check out verse 3. He rose to flee from God. He took action to actually flee from God. He rose to flee from God. And it actually talks about from the presence of the Lord. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. Because I don't know if you noticed that. In verse 3, there were two times that it says that he fled from the presence of the Lord. Or tried to get away from the presence of the Lord. And there is a connection there between our mission and answering our call to serve 
and being in the presence of God. We'll talk about that in a moment. He rose to flee from God. It says that he went down to this port uh, uh, named Java, this, this port city named Java, where, where there were ships that were sailing to go to the other side of the world. I'll talk about that in a moment, to go to Nineveh. So he, he rose to flee from God. He went down to this port town, this port city named uh, Joppa. He found a ship going to Nineveh. We'll talk about where Nineveh is in a second. He rose he, to flee. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship, and check this out. He paid the fare for the ship to go to Nineveh. And then it says he went on the ship. And where does it say that he went on the ship? Did he stay up on the deck of the ship? No, it says he went down into the ship. Because when we're running from God, when God calls us to go up and be on mission, and we run from him, we are going to go down as far as we can to flee from the presence of God. That's what disobedience does. I know that because for 10 years of my life, nearly 10 years of my life, when God said, I want you on a mission, I ran from God too, just like Jonah. Fortunately, I didn't get swallowed by a whale. Or more theologically correct, biblically correct, a large fish. Jonah flees from God. He so goes on the run because he didn't agree with God's mission. He didn't agree with the mission that God gave him. He didn't agree with the service opportunity that God had given him to go to Nineveh. So he decided that he was going to run from God, but he didn't just run from God a little ways. He ran from God big time. See, God told him to go east, 500, roughly 550 miles to the east, somewhere like close to modern day Baghdad. Jonah decides that he's so going to run from God that he went down into the port city, went down into that ship, and that ship was set sail, set sail for, for uh, Tarshish, which is near modern-day Spain. Let's, let's like just call it Barcelona, which is 2,500 miles from the place that God had called him. 550 miles in that direction, God said to go. And Jonah was intent on running from God so much that he was willing to pay a fare to go 2,500 miles in the complete opposite direction. He went west as far, listen to this, as far as the known world. Jonah, his no was a resounding no to God. And I want you to pay attention to what it cost him. Now, we know the story because when I say Jonah, what do you think of? Jonah and the what? You can say it with me. Jonah and the what? The whale, right? Okay, I already said that earlier, and some of you are like, no, it's Jonah and the large fish. Okay, whatever. That's not the point. But God uses the large fish slash whale to bring Jonah back to a place where he could be on mission for him. It cost Jonah a lot. It cost Jonah big time. I won't even go into the details of what he might have looked like after spending a little bit of time in that fish <laughs> when he was spit out on the shore. It cost him time. It cost him money. Listen, it says that he paid the fare in Joppa to go to Tarshish. He paid the fare himself. 
Like he got his wallet out. He got his credit card out. And Dave Ramsey from Financial Peace University would be so disappointed in Jonah. He was not on the plan, was he? <laughs> he paid money to run from God. Our pastor in Atlanta used to say that sin or disobedience takes you further than you ever intended to go. It takes longer than you ever expected to take, and it costs you more money than you ever expected to spend. That's what disobedience does. And so it cost Jonah his no to God. It cost him so much. But I think maybe the more important thing to understand here is why did Jonah say no? Why was his no so resounding? Why was it so punctuated? It's because he disagreed with the mission that God had him on. Jonah said no to God because Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians were idolatrous, proud, and ruthless people. And in fact, Israel, the Jewish people, they were in their sights. They were the first people that were in their sights to conquer the world. They wanted to conquer the, the world, the Assyrians did. And Israel was one of their, the, the people that they threatened the most. And Jonah might have been intimidated when God said, go to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrians. He might have been scared to go down there because he knew what the people were like. But the real reason was, is because he hated the Assyrians. That's the reason he didn't want to go. He hated everything that they believed in. He hated their values. It was different than his values. It was a different upbringing than his upbringing. It was a different culture than his culture. He hated the Assyrians. You see, Jonah didn't want Nineveh to be restored because that was God's message. That was going to be God's message. He didn't want them to be restored. He wanted them to be destroyed. He didn't want them to experience God's mercy. He wanted them to experience God's judgment. He hated the Assyrians. And because of his hatred for the Assyrians, when God asked him the question, he didn't give an answer. He just turned the other direction. And he fled from the presence of God. All because the people that he was going to be serving had a different life and a different lifestyle and different values than him. And listen, church, this goes back to something we talked about weeks ago. This talk goes back to something we talked about weeks ago. We must not allow our personal preference to determine who we serve or where we go. We can serve people and groups of people who have wildly different values than us. In fact, God may call us to do that as a church. He may call you to do that individually. He may call you as a family or you as a couple to serve people who are wildly different than you. And we must not allow our personal preferences to determine who we serve or where we will go. Jesus died for all of that. He died for all of it. And so when God says, serve, I want to be the church that says, yes. I don't want to be the church that heads in the other direction and goes down and down and down when God calls us to go up and up and up. But here's what happens, and I experience this, when we run from God. God reclaims us when we run from him. 
He seeks us out even when we disobey, even when we turn our back on what he's called us to do. He's going to find us, and the way that he decided to find Jonah was through that great fish slash whale and to bring him back to shore in a drastically ugly way, but to put him back on mission to go to Nineveh, which Jonah ended up doing in the first place. And I remember at 16 years old being called by God into full-time Christian ministry. And by the way, this isn't a message about full-time Christian ministry. This could be you serving someone right across the street from you. This could be you serving someone in the place that you work or uh, students, the school you go to. Or it could be serving that family member that drives you nuts. But my running from God was when I was 16 and God called me to full-time Christian ministry and it was clear and it was like, I mean, I knew it, I confirmed it. I had Jeff Cranston, the pastor of uh, Low Country Community Church that helped us, by the way, you know, birth this church 13 years ago. Um, And and he helped me with that. He helped me confirm my calling. And and I got discouraged because I had some people around me that kind of were like, man, you're never going to make anything of yourself doing that. And I listened to him, and for nearly 10 years of my life, I ran the other direction, and I was miserable, 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 and missed out on years of doing what God called me to do. And I'm telling you, Jonah would tell you if he were standing here today, he'd probably look pretty bad at this point in time, probably worse than he looked when he was thrown up on the shore that day. But he would tell you that it is easier and more beneficial and more fulfilling to say yes to God the first time. Because here's how God usually works. If he calls you to bring a meal to that neighbor that kind of drives you nuts, that might use your driveway as a parking lot a little too often, their trash cans might end up in your yard. Maybe sometimes they're trash in your yard. But God's called you to bring them a meal, and you say, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I bet you'll end up doing it. (laughs) I bet you will. Because God's got a way of doing that. So why not say yes to him the first time? Why not say yes to him the first time? I promise you, it'll be easier. It'll be more beneficial and more fulfilling to say yes to God the first time. And if you wonder about that, just ask Jonah. I bet he would have rather said yes the first time. And you take Jonah's no, and you contrast it with Isaiah's yes. I want you to check this out. Isaiah 6, chapter 8. He gets a similar call from God. The book of Isaiah is great. It's broken up into two parts. The first part is God's judgment on the nation of Israel, on the Jewish people, and why he's mad, why he's, he's irritated with them. They, they were unfaithful. And then the second half was like, return to me, and here's what I'll do. And there's all this hope, and it points to Jesus, and it's the picture of our redemption. He's upset with our sin. He brings Jesus into the world, and we have hope. It's a beautiful picture of the cross. But there's this this moment in time where God is saying, I've got this message that I have to get to the people of Israel. And in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah responded very quickly. Here I am. Send me. 
here I am. Send me. Now, I don't know, I've never really heard a debate about this, but which job was harder? They both had, there were some similarities. They both had a, a message that God wanted them to give. Jonah's was to give a message. It was a similar message, by the way, right? Return to me, return to faithfulness, or in Nineveh's case, like be faithful. It was a similar mission that God put them on, Jonah and, and Isaiah. They were supposed to deliver difficult news. Jonah's was to deliver difficult news to a difficult people, people that maybe hated him, that he definitely hated. And so he went the other way. Isaiah's message, the difficult message that God wanted Isaiah to deliver was to his people. I kind of think that might have been the more difficult like mission. Maybe, maybe Jonah's was more dangerous, but I don't know. Have you ever had to tell somebody close to you the truth? It's not exactly easy either, is it? And Isaiah quickly says, yes. God told him to deliver this difficult message, and he, without hesitation, said, here am I. Send me. Send me. Send me. And it's, this whole story of Isaiah has caused me to to wonder what God was doing. Was he testing Isaiah? Like he had picked Isaiah, he was speaking to Isaiah. It was specific, it was very intentional. He was God's man. Was he testing Isaiah? Possibly in some ways, I think he was. But God doesn't use a mission to, to trick us or, or judge us or grade us, but, but he might test us to grow us. He might do that. He may test us in a service opportunity to grow us, to stretch us, to make us more reliant on him. Jonah's and Isaiah's missions, neither of them were easy. Usually saying yes to God on the large things or the small things is, is usually not easy. If it were, we wouldn't even be talking about willingness. It wouldn't even be an issue because if it were easy, everyone would do it, right? That's the whole point. And I want you to hear today that yes, God is interested in you being ready because you're living a right life. He's interested in that. He's interested in you furthering how to better serve him, your education. He's interested in your experience we talked a lot about these things last week. He's interested in you being qualified to be on mission for him. But the first thing that he's looking for are, is not any of that. The first thing that God is, willing to, willing, or is looking for is your willingness to be used by him. See, God uses those who are first willing to be used. That's where it begins. And so he may call you to do something and you give him every reason in the world why you're not the person to be used. 
You give him every, like, you know, past sin that you've ever done. I can't do this for this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason. I, you know, you bring up all the stuff. I, I don't lack experience. I don't understand the Bible. I don't have my, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm not good enough. I don't have this. If we all say that, nothing will ever be done for God. He's looking for those who are willing to say yes to him. And once we're willing to say yes, he'll take care of the rest. Once we're willing to say, here I am, send me, he'll take care of this, the other stuff, if you will. He'll take care of the other stuff. See, there's a difference maker, though, in Isaiah's story and Jonah's story. And it's this whole idea of the presence of God. And here's where we'll end today. One of these men was not fleeing his mission first. He was fleeing the presence of God first. The other had just been in the presence of God. You see, Jonah, twice in verse 3, it says that he was running from the presence of God. He had decided that he didn't want to be with God because the mission that God had given him was so difficult. It was so intense in his mind. He was so unqualified. He didn't even say, sorry, God. He just ran in the other direction. It's like, great conversation, Jonah. Thanks. Thanks for the talk. Have fun in the boat and in the whale. Large fish. But with Isaiah, he had been in God's presence. If you read chapter 6, he's in the presence of God, and God speaks to him, and he gives him vision. And we even see it there in verse, uh, verse 8. At the beginning, he says that I heard the voice of the Lord. The one who had said yes said yes because he was in God's presence. That's what drove him to say yes. You see, saying yes to God's mission for your life or service for your life or sharing with someone else or whatever that thing is becomes natural. All of that becomes very natural when being in God's presence daily or regularly is a lifestyle. See, church, we're not going to be a church that says yes if we're not willing in the private time that we have with him to enter his presence, to spend time in his word, to just talk to him. He wants to talk to you. Saying yes to God's mission for your life becomes natural when being in God's presence is a daily lifestyle. But here's the key, here's the key, here's the key. And this is why I'm talking to you, not us is because if we as a church are going to be a church where the answer is yes, then that means it has to be made up of individuals who individually are willing to say yes. The church that says yes to serve its community is made up of people who are willing to say yes individually. And I know it's not always easy, but that's where we trust the one who is trustworthy. That's where we can trust the one who will make a way, who can heal a disease, who can cause a miracle to occur to make the way for us. Whatever is standing between you and that thing 
that God has asked you to do or those things that he's asked you to do, that way that he's asked you to serve, that mission that he's called you to be on, he will work it out. Your job is to trust him. Your job is to trust him. And if we then, I'll talk to us now, if we as a church are all individually trusting him to make a way, then we will be a church that says yes when asked to serve, when asked to be on mission, and when asked to share the message of Jesus. Father, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would help us in our own lives, individually, in that quiet place with you, that we would hear your voice. God, that we would acknowledge that mission or that service opportunity that you're bringing our way. That we would have eyes, because we've spent time with you, that we would have eyes to see the world as broken and in need. And would we recognize, Father, help me to recognize, help us to recognize that you have given us a mission with the greatest answer, the only answer to the greatest problem that humanity has. And when we serve some food to someone in need, it gives us the opportunity to share that message. When we put clothes on someone who doesn't have clothes, it gives us the opportunity to share that message. When we walk across the street and help clean a yard for that person who's in need or help drive them to the doctor because they can't drive or help watch their kids for an hour because they've got to do something. God, when we do those things, when we serve the world around us, it gives us the opportunity to share the answer to humanity's greatest problem. And that is this distance between us and you. Father God, I thank you that you made a way for us through Jesus. You gave us the ultimate way. You were the ultimate way maker when you sent your son to die on the cross to rise again three days later so that we can have eternity in heaven with you. But Father, you'll make a way. You'll make a way for that person that right now thinks that they're, they're not qualified to serve you. You'll make a way for that one that thinks that they're not experienced enough to serve you. You'll make a way for that one that thinks that they're, they don't have enough education to serve you. Father God, I thank you that you will make a way. Help us to individually be willing in our attitudes and in our minds and in our actions to be people who when we're asked, the answer is yes. Help us to be like Isaiah. Help us to be able to stand when you call and say, here am I, send me. God, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. I thank you that you are the way maker. In Jesus' name.